Press Box Banter is the daily Iowans weekly sports podcast. Each episode, we will talk about local, national, and international sports, host a special guest, and talk predictions for upcoming games. This week's edition features Ryan Hansen, DI alum and reporter at the Iowa City Press Citizen, as he talks about covering sports gambling in Iowa. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Press Box Banter. I'm a returning host, Kenna Roaring, sports editor at the Daily Iowan. I am Colin Botsmeyer, assistant sports editor. And I am Matt McGowan, the pregame editor. All right, so first, we're just going to talk about the game this past weekend. Iowa won 26-16 over Michigan State, thanks to a Cooper DeGene 70-yard punt return in the final, like, four minutes of the game. What are your guys' initial thoughts to that win? You remember that punt return touchdown. Colin did. He called it. The ball is in the air, and he said he's going to run it back. And I'm like, no way. And Hello. then all of a sudden, he's down the left sideline. I stand up. I don't cheer, but I stand up. Oh. <laughs> they lined up to punt, and I was honestly, quite frankly, so bored throughout the <laughs> whole third to beginning of the fourth quarter that I said, Cooper Jean is going to bring this one to the house. I said, this one's going to the house. And Cooper and, uh, as in Cooper Worth, not Cooper DeGene, and Matt both gave me some garbage for it, <laughs> and I said, watch this. <laughs> he was in my stats class he, freshman year, he, by the way. He's Cooper very Jean. much embellishing this. I did am. he show up for that class? Uh, not as much as Logan Lee did. Good to know. Um, <laughs> I also went 6-0 and in the on-the-line picks last week, so I'm going to gas myself up a little bit on that. Anyways. I'm only one... One under 500 right now. I'm making a comeback. So after I have a 6-0 and week this week on On the Line, I'll be back in competition. But not in first place, which I'm in first place. 20 and 10. Knock on wood somewhere in the studio. It's an inside job. So I'm going to throw everyone for a loop here. I wrote down that we should talk about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift being official. Um, everything. Everyone thinks that I'm going to... Everyone thinks I'm going to <laughs> be very negative about Taylor Swift, but um, I think that whether you're a Taylor Swift fan or not, just looking at, you know, the way this is kind of like almost like a free marketing scheme for, for the NFL. I mean, Taylor Swift fans are tuning into NFL games. I think that viewership was like one of the more, one of the higher watched games in, in recent memory. Um I wish it would stop showing up on my For You page on TikTok, and I wish everyone would stop talking about it because, like, it's just getting a little old now. It's been two weeks, but I have no further opinion. We're talking about it right now, so I guess you're abetting your own problem. But I want to see what Kenna has to say. She's I'm going to say something I don't regret, Matt. Oh, no. Does it? I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, back when we talked about this on the first podcast, I said – that I was cool and she can do whatever she wants. Even I'm e- I'm in even more support now. Um, after you know she's been to two of his games now. Super cute. She's hanging out with his mom. Whatever. I do. I've seen a lot on Twitter. Um, some NFL fans are like mad that she's taking over the NFL or whatever. Like what has Taylor Swift done to the NFL? But like Colin said, it's just free marketing for the NFL. So. If you want to stop seeing Taylor Swift on your screen or whatever, that's the NFL's fault, not Taylor's fault. She's just trying to go to the game and watch her boyfriend and have some fun like a normal human. 
And disclaimer, this is brought to you by sports coach John Bonenkamp. She did not say, she did not drop an F-bomb. It was let's freaking go. He did. He said that he saw the FR roll off her tongue, and he said it would just be inappropriate if she just dropped a big F-bomb hanging out with, you know, Kelsey's mom the first time that they're, like, out in public. So, you know, I think he has a point. I might refer you to the Taylor Swift lyric about the patriarchy and the all-too-well 10-minute version. I don't have the 10-minute version liked. I, this is a very, this is a hot take. I like the original version better than the 10-minute version. Hot, very hot take. At Media on Tuesday, which would be October 3rd, the day that we are recording this podcast, Kirk announced that McNamara is out for the season. Um, He tore his left ACL um, against Michigan State. Kirk said that he plans on having surgery next week, and he does have intentions of coming back to Iowa next season for his um, final year of eligibility. I think it's really interesting because Deacon Hill, he got a lot of the number one reps, you know, throughout spring. Um, Those weeks that Cade wasn't practicing because of his quad injury. And now he's going to, you know, play the rest of this season. And Kirk said Cade's probably not going to be back until fall camp of next year. So I'm just wondering what the dynamic's going to be like if, you know, Deacon ends up having a really great year. Um, I know it's it's hard to lose your spot when you get injured, but I just I it's going to be interesting if you know Deacon plays really well and then Cade comes back and it's healthy. There's going to be some competition there. That'll be fun to cover. A quarterback com- uh, competition. It's always it just gives something for the media to talk about. I'm sure it's going to blow up. It's going to be all over all over Iowa if such a thing happens. But I think Deacon Hill can hold his own. Um, but yeah, obviously just terrible to see Kate McNamara, two non-contact injuries, just sucks to see when something like that happens, but wishing all the best for him, speedy recovery, Yeah, I hope he gets back on the playing field soon. All right, now we're going to go to our interview portion and talk to Ryan Hansen, former managing digital editor at the Daily Iowan, who now works with the Iowa City Press Citizen and covers crime and the gambling investigation that has been going on with Iowa and Iowa State. Today we're here with Ryan Hansen, former managing digital editor at the Daily Iowan, and he now works for the Iowa City Press Citizen as a crime reporter and has been covering the betting uh, scandals at Iowa and Iowa State. So welcome in, Ryan. It's great to be here, guys. So you're spearheading the coverage of the Iowa gambling scandal. How did that come about? Yeah, well, it first sort of came on our radar. Um, You know, it was early August. We were really trying to, um, you know, figure out what was going on um, because we had heard rumors, mostly not me, actually. Um, A lot of the Des Moines people had heard rumors over the summer that um, there were some people involved in in some gambling stuff and that – the Iowa, um, you know, criminal investigations uh, department, the, the state, um, was going to be investigating. And we were just kind of waiting for the hammer to drop on that. Um, and that really first first started um, on the 1st of August, um, I believe, was when we, we got the, the first news about um, a couple of Iowa State um, people, a couple of Iowa State football players, and then um, also some, some Iowa guys in there. Um, football, basketball, um, 
baseball. And yeah, from there, it kind of just all uh, spiraled into to what was uh, a national story and uh, something that I found myself kind of at the forefront of, not on purpose at all. So then how did it come about where they were like, okay, I think I want Ryan Hansen to take this on? <laughs> well, there, there, you know, it wasn't on, on purpose that I, that I did that, but um, I think it was, you know, that I was free and available. Um, and obviously I love sports, so I'm, well, maybe not obviously, but I do love sports. Um, and so that, that really um, kind of urged me to, to take point on that because uh, it's something that, that I just really uh, kind of got into. It was obviously, it was, as I said, just sort of something we hadn't seen in college. It's, of course, been, been outlawed, but, uh, you know, with, with sports betting uh, kind of becoming a commonplace in society, it really started because um, there was some some people doing um, other stuff. Um, I remember my the sports editor, um, I believe he was um, busy that day, and there was just so much going on. Um, we had just hired, or Des Moines, not Iowa City, had just hired a um, new high school reporter, and the high school season was about to kick off um, when the second round of stuff sort of came out, and that's that's really where I um, got my, my feet down in there and, uh, yeah, started to, to take point. Then who are some of your sources when you're doing your reporting? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it we pulled straight from from uh, just from Iowa courts. Um, that was pretty much the only people who were willing to talk to us. Um, reached out to a couple of the attorneys. Um, I remember the attorney for uh, Hunter Deckers, the Iowa State quarterback, and then um, I can't remember the other two, um, but they were both football players at Iowa State. They uh, He reached out and, and delivered us a statement um, when they – um, all pleaded guilty to, to lesser charges. Um, but then, you know, other, other lawyers who, um, maybe I'm, I'm not so sure would like to be named. Um, they were not so, uh, maybe not so willing is not the right word, but they did not want to go on record on their client's behalf that, uh, you know, using their name and saying, Hey, you know, we pleaded guilty to this. So um, a lot of it was was kind of working through those uh, both legal and personal obligations of, of the lawyers. Um, and I had, you know, um, some great handholding from uh, guys like Chad Leistikow and, and, and other folks who, um, and James Kramer, got to give him a shout out as well. And of course, my editor, Brandon Hurley, um, got to shout everyone out. Um, good handholding from them along the way to to sort of guide me to the who's who. So can you tell us kind of what you think is going to be next for this whole kind of scenario? Are more athletes coming, more athletes dropping soon? Or I don't know. I So we've reached out to, to the um, Department of Criminal Investigations. I feel like I'm getting that wrong, but it's like the state department that investigates stuff. Um, and they have told us that, um, you know, the – the investigation isn't over. Um, so I don't know, but we haven't gotten a, a new, uh, <laughs> I don't know what the right word is, a new drop of charges, uh, a new drop of names, um, probably in about, you know, a month and a half now. So um, we started seeing those guilty pleas roll in late August. Um, I think in terms of 
next, like looking forward. Um, a lot of questions I think will be asked by the NCAA. Um, I think they're sort of the next hurdle. That might not be the, the right thing to say, but um, for a lot of these guys, um, there's, um, you know, some eligibility questions, a lot of eligibility questions, really. So you've got guys like Garrett Christensen um, out of Iowa who, um, you know, kind of just announced he was stepping away from, from baseball anyway. Um, you've got other guys um, where there's a lot of question marks. Um, you know, think about sort of probably the most high profile of all these, at least in the whole state, um, when you're thinking about Hunter Deckers. There were some allegations, you know, that he bet on football and betting on football would mean that um, he's he's completely you know betting on his own team um, or on a team his uh, on a game his team played in um, though we won't get into the details of what the bet actually was um, allegedly um, but you know there's there's kind of some question marks there because he pleaded guilty right to uh, underage gambling but there weren't really any specifics in there um, other than that he placed a bet while he wasn't 21. Um, but something I think that obviously is important to consider is that uh, the allegation was that he placed a bet on football and a bet on a game that his team was involved in, which would mean, you know, a complete loss of eligibility. Um, for others, it's sort of uh, foggier. Uh, there's There's not a lot of evidence, you know, in the first place uh, in the original criminal complaints uh, from the state that sort of alleged that um, any wagers were made, any wagers were placed on games that these guys played in, on games that these guys, um, you know, in the same sport that they play in, um, which is another gray area. And um, so, you know, there's a lot of eligibility questions just coming up on the on the horizon for, for these guys. Um, in terms of additional charges, again, not really sure. You talked about uh, those court documents. So what's it like looking through those? Like, there's probably a lot of gray areas there too, I assume. Yeah, a lot of allegedly's. You get to write that a lot. But, um, no, seriously, the some of them are, um, you know, just in general looking at crime um, in Iowa City. Some of them, um, they give you a lot. Some of them, the police have a lot of evidence, and that's how they make the – that's how they, you know, put the complaint in. That's how they make the arrest, and um, that's that sort of how it comes to us. Um, with these, it was – uh, sort of a, a systematic investigation, it looked like, by the state, you know. Um, some of the details in there included, you know, um, these were places where only uh, student-athletes can be, um, you know, football players and such. Um, you know, obviously that wasn't very specific, but uh, I presume that means, um, you know, student housing in, in which the players live or uh, the practice facility, which is obviously a highly regulated place, um, stuff like that and then uh you know other stuff in there um really really specific um you know 541 bets this is just a, a random fictional player but something like this 541 bets and uh you know 3720 dollars uh was wagered on x and y and um so just looking at all that it's it's you know, it's really interesting to see some of the things um, that these players were alleged to have bet on. Um, I guess probably the most uh, wild uh, thing, I suppose, if, if that's the right word, um, just like looking at some of the stuff um, and kind of cross-checking it. So 
um, how I first got into this whole um, gambling stuff. Um, we we kind of had all hands on deck at the the beginning of August when that first drop happened, uh, and we first got wind of it. Um, and Chad Leistikow and then Randy Peterson from the Des Moines Register, and they they were all you know rearing and ready to go. And um, I uh, I somehow found my way into the the gambling huddle as we call it, um, and it was just a really really cool experience to work alongside some of those guys um, who just have a, a boatload of experience. Um, and along along your question, Matt, um, you know there was a time there where um, for an hour I, I think uh, we were pretty much the first people on it and. Um, while Chad was writing up his piece, uh, I found my way to um, checking some of the allegations that were being made by the state um, against Arlen Bruce and some of the games that he played in. So um, his first career rushing touchdown was in the Northwestern game last year um, that Iowa played in. Um, he had allegedly bet the under, um, and his touchdown um, killed his bet. It, it was... Uh, kind of a, a very interesting thing to see so uh, just kind of looking through uh, you know most of them weren't that interesting but uh, there was stuff like that um, and of course um, Arlen Bruce pleaded guilty not to, uh, to not you know betting um, on such outcomes but the state said that he did um, so yeah just a lot of interesting details in some of those criminal um, complaints filed by the the state and I guess what would you what did you learn while working alongside those pros? Yeah, I mean, um, always just a just a ton to be learned. Um, got a got a great chance to um, get some feedback from Chad and from James, and um, those are some Des Moines pros. Um, and obviously, my editor Brandon uh, did a great job helping me through all of that. But um, yeah, I mean, just just always learning. It was. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of it was on a quick deadline and do this and, uh, I had to do that. And, um, yeah, I mean, just really not much to say except just, uh, <laughs> a lot, a lot learned. Definitely a lot learned. I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I'm going to mention it again with the increased, uh, mm -hmm. legality of NIL and gambling, not necessarily for college um, student athletes, but in general, do you think that Reggie Bush needs his Heisman to be reinstated? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, no, no, totally. Um, you know, the, the gamification of every single game, every single play really is, um, it's silly. Um, you know, for a lot of people it's enjoyable, but, uh, yeah, there is some, uh, some trophies lost and, uh, some accolades taken away. Do, do you anticipate the NCAA like, making any of those changes, though, especially for guys who are, you know, they're over 21, they can legally bet? But I feel like, in my opinion at least, they should be allowed to bet on pro sports as well as, I'd say, maybe college sports, but like college sports, like maybe outside their conference. They obviously can't be betting on their own games or even betting on their own school. Yeah, I think just kind of the more leeway you give, um, it, that becomes a slippery slope. Uh, this is just a guess, but that's how I think the NCAA sees it. It's a, it's a slippery slope to let guys bet on NFL and then say, 
hey, by the way, there's uh, you know, you played on Friday night, and there's also a full uh, day of football uh, on Saturday for you to bet on, and you can also bet on Sunday, uh, and there's a Thursday night game and um, action on Tuesdays and everything. So, um, I think the NCAA is. Uh, you know, they've only gotten stricter in the last year, and uh, I don't think it'll get any uh, looser for uh, whether it's fair or not. But <laughs> So we heard a couple weeks ago that um, Iowa defensive tackle Noah Shannon, uh, he lost his appeal of the NCAA, and he's going to be suspended the entire season. So his career with Iowa is, is over. So do you think the NCAA made an example out of him, or do you think that those punishments won't be as severe in the future? Uh, I think they probably made an example out of him, um, unfortunately. And, um, you know, speaking as someone with uh, probably far, far less experience than, than the three of you have, um, you know, speaking to athletes and stuff, um, you know, a lot of these guys are great guys, and, and um, it seems like they kind of just got caught up in um, a craze um, of the time. You know, you, you watch sports and you, you see all these – um, gambling advertisements, but um, to to kind of address your question, I, I don't think the NCAA will will get any more you know lenient. Um. I mean, it also seems sort of like the NCAA. It's kind of a Kirk said this himself. They're like a faceless organization. Like no one, no one, no one representative stepped stepped forward and explained why they did so. They're always just say, "Oh, we're a committee and we made a decision." But we don't know who's on that committee. We don't. Basically what I'm getting at is I heard some people say, you know, on Twitter and stuff, like, hey, Iowa should just play Noah Shannon and just see what happens. Like, what do you think about that? Like, how how real, how how much can the NCAA enforce their rules and policies? Yeah, I mean, I think if Iowa were to, you know, throw Noah Shannon out there, um, that would kind of just be um, taking the um, problem. I don't know if that's... That's probably not accurate, but I'll say problem. Taking the the problem um, of, you know, this gambling um, scandal that's sort of been a cloud uh, over their program and over the Iowa State program uh, throughout the summer and, and early into the season here, uh, and kind of taking it from, you know, guys like um, Blom and, and Shannon and uh, – Arlen Bruce and, and folks like that, whether or not they're here or not, um, it's a cloud over the program. And I think by kind of defying the NCAA, you take that cloud from over those guys and you put it over the whole team. Um, and I just think that's that's probably bad for business. So Iowa has Purdue coming up this weekend. Cade McNamara was just announced today, left ACL injury. He's out for the season. What do you think about Iowa football going forward? How do you feel about Deacon Hill and – this game against Purdue. Yeah, uh, I think it really it really seems like, at least to me, um, and it was only you know a quarter and a half or two and a half quarters, uh, maybe three full ones against a very very mid uh, Michigan State team. Um, but it kind of seemed like uh, with Cade back there, and again, I'm not a, a sports uh, reporter or anything, but uh, I have my opinions. Obviously, um, it looked like for for those three quarters with Deacon Hill um, kind of felt like it was house money, kind of just do whatever you want. Um, with Cade, there's maybe a lot of pressure to uh, come out here and, and for both him and, and Brian and Kirk uh, all to, to be this, these guys and be the guy. And uh, then, you know, you throw Deacon Hill out there and 
my roommate, he knows nothing, but uh, he said he looked like Big Ben uh, out there, which is a little wild to say. Um, but, you know, it, it kind of just seemed like they were playing with house money in the last three quarters. It was kind of just, um, you know, find your footing in that in that second quarter and then uh, kind of execute. And obviously a, a big shout out to Cooper DeGene. But, um, yeah, moving forward, just, uh, I guess, kind of keeping that same confidence. It kind of seemed like... Uh, well, the whole game plan was out the window, and so they kind of just had to wing it. And the QB sneak is back in business. Tush push. That play should be banned. Nah, it's fine. It should <laughs> not be banned because this is the whole reason why Jalen Hurts is my starting fantasy quarterback is the tush push. For two yards? <laughs> like every f- And every a touchdown. Yeah. Fair. Okay, they get him fair. to the one-yard line, and they just shh. I'm not even going to say it. I feel bad for DeAndre Swift. <laughs> DeAndre, DeAndre Swift has been screwed over by the Eagles and Lions. What? They don't, yes, he won't. He could be the best running back in the league, but they won't, they, won't, they won't let him score touchdowns. He'll get 120 yards a game, but he won't score touchdowns. That's fine, but have you seen the Jalen Hurts benching videos? I'd, I'd take that guy to bench anything. He could bench a car, I bet. What's your score prediction for this Saturday? Uh, well, first of all, I just I do have to get a gripe out. Uh, the game is on Peacock, and I don't have Peacock, and I don't want to pay for Peacock, and oh, that's man. that's so annoying to me that it's on Peacock for the homecoming game. Uh, any other game, it wouldn't have really mattered. I understand that's the money and the rights and all that. Um, score prediction. Uh, Purdue is kind of bad. Um, who knows uh, how good we're going to be with, with a full week of game planning with Deacon Hill. Um, hopefully excellent. Uh, I'm going to go 20... Three, uh, ten. I'll go with that. Feeling an under as well. If we're gonna keep talking about betting, Iowa. I assume. Yes, twenty-three, ten, Iowa. All right. So now we're gonna get in to the football game this weekend. Iowa versus Purdue homecoming game. Um. This is honestly always a scary sight to see on Iowa's schedule. Honestly, Purdue always plays Iowa close, and they're kind of our kryptonite. Um, I have a lot of bad memories of Iowa football, and a lot of them came against Purdue. Um, They usually go crazy on offense every time we play them. 2021, when we beat Penn State, number three versus number four, Purdue came in to Kinnick Stadium the next week, and we lost – which is just typical Iowa. But uh, no Cade McNamara. It'll be the Deacon Hill show. And Caleb Johnson has a chance to return. He practiced today. Um, And Jazz Patterson is still out. So what are your guys' initial thoughts on this game? Okay. I don't even know where to start. I think – Cooper DeGene, I don't think they're going to throw to him more than five times. I think Cooper DeGene is a threat now. He's always been a threat, but I think this weekend everyone is like, okay, Cooper DeGene is like first-round pick tier. They might not even – I think they'll just punt the ball out of bounds, take the penalty, not have to – Don't even punt the ball to him. Yeah. Just going fourth down every time. I think (laughs) the issue with Michigan State was the game was kind of like we need – we need Iowa to score. This was kind of the mindset is we need Iowa to go out there and just blow Michigan State out of the water. Now I feel like the mindset is like, okay, let's go in to Purdue. Let's get a win and let's get out. You 
know, I don't feel like there's any room for show after a Penn State loss. Cade McNamara's out. I don't think there's any room to go out and try and do some crazy spectacle. I think that's the mindset is go in, score more points than they do, and go home. As the White Sox used to say, win ugly. That's Iowa's goal the rest of the season. It's all ugly <laughs> for the White Sox. Uh, also, Tyrone Tracy Jr., he transferred to Purdue the same time Charlie Jones did, but this year he's uh, been primarily a running back, um, and he's had a really awesome season. I remember he was with Iowa for four seasons, and he was mainly a wide receiver, and both him and Charlie Jones moved away um, to Purdue because Iowa rarely utilizes their receivers. We did see them... Um, in the Michigan State game, throw to their receivers a bit more, but then the receivers had like five or six drops. So that might be one of the reasons why we don't see them get the ball. He spent four years at Iowa, and he's still in college. That's what is he, like a PhD student now? <laughs> it's time for him to close the yearbook. <laughs> Cope with like four COVID years, an injury red shirt, an extra red shirt. Yeah. Stetson Bennett. That's college football for you, man. Yeah, Stetson Bennett the fourth, I believe. <laughs> My bad, Eric Hall Jr. Is there any concern that this might be a, a look ahead, a look ahead game? They're they're looking ahead. They got to go to Madison next week, you know, big time challenge with. Uh, um, Inner Mordecai. Yeah, Mordecai and uh, and Rigby up there, uh, the seventeen <laughs> year old Braylon Allen. Um, so, yeah, I, I just have a, a little bit of concern that that they might be game planning for uh, uh, what they probably see as the the most difficult uh, matchup rest of the way and like I said before can't do that against Purdue because Purdue um, has always given Iowa a good game it's always close and yeah Iowa's got to limit turnovers um, he can he said today at media he loves the long ball so and he can go under center he's a little bit more mobile than Cade was because Cade couldn't run full speed but QB sneaks back um in business, so I'm interested to see if we open up the offense a little bit and try and go downfield more. I also just like Deacon's confidence. Like, he was talking um, at media availability, and he's like, someone asked about the receiver drops. He's like, oh, I'm not concerned about that. You know, in basketball, if your guy's not hitting shots, that's when you stop passing him the ball. You just get shots up, you keep getting reps, and it's going to work out. I think I think what the receiving's not going to be as bad as it was last week, but um, – I think Deacon Hill brings a unique presence to this offense, and so long as the defense and special teams hold their end of the bargain, the season is not over yet. With that, I would like to quote Dion Waiters. I'd rather go 0 for 30 than 0 for 9, because you go 0 for 9, that means you stopped shooting. That means you lost confidence. Terrible quote. Actually, no, it's actually a valid quote. Uh, Okay, so my score prediction for this weekend is Iowa 28, Purdue 7. 14-10, Iowa. Uh, 17-10, Iowa. Iowa. Iowa 20, Purdue Purdue 7. I'm going back to 13-10, Iowa. Four touchdowns is a lot of touchdowns for the Iowa offense. It really is. When was the last time we scored four touchdowns in a game? Western Michigan. 
Okay, that was gar- <laughs> that was garbage time in a real game. In a real game, like throughout the the whole fifteen times four. It happened. I think it happened last season. Sixty minutes. Did it not? Did it not happen? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. Maybe Deacon Hill. The offense gonna open up a little bit. Maybe we'll see something. Yeah. It's not. It's not a pessimistic podcast. We're gonna be real, but not pessimistic. Well, thanks so much, Ryan, for joining us today. It was great to have you on. Thank you all for having me. This episode of Press Box Banter is hosted by Kenna Roaring, Colin Botsmeyer, and Matt McGowan and produced by Jamie Martin Trainer. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, October 3rd. Big thanks to our guest, Ryan Hansen, and be sure to tune in next week for more.